0: Well, welcome to a new semester of Raider Church. My name's Clayton Walker. I'm the pastor here at Raider Church. I hope you had a great Christmas, a great New Year. Uh, this Christmas with my family, um, we decided that we weren't going to get like just a ton of presents For our kids. Now, before you're like, you are a total Scrooge, okay? That's that's not, it was not totally what we were, we we decided uh, we wanted to do more like experiential type things, like that we could do together uh, as a family. So they still got some. Presence, but we also got them something that we could do together. And so uh, this year we got our boys tickets to the Warriors and Mavericks games because they, they, they were huge. They are. They're huge Steph Curry fans. And so so we took the boys to the basketball game, or I did. My wife, on the other hand, took my daughter at the same time to the American Girl shop or store or whatever you call that thing, so so factory or something. So so they they go to the Galleria in North Dallas, and they're at the American Girl place. They've got this reservation. They make the doll. It looks exactly like my daughter Nixon. It's got glasses like her and hair like her and outfits like her and all this kind of stuff. And so my wife's like, uh, Nixon, what do you want to call... Uh, your, your, your doll. And um, she says, Elsa. And we were like, uh, you know, my wife's like, can you come up with something else? Like, any other name, you know, like, that's kind of a popular name. You know, is there any other name you can and She's like, nope, her name's Elsa. We're like, okay, her name's Elsa. Okay, so. They're there together. They have like a meal together, and my wife posts this picture on Instagram of her and Nixon together. And Nixon's like feeding her, and and has a little cup, and she's giving her a drink. It is the cutest, sweetest thing. Like Nixon's hair is all done, like curled up, perfect makeup on point. I mean, it's just this perfect moment. Okay, they're there's this perfect mother daughter moment. Okay. 30 miles south of my wife and my daughter, I'm at Neo's Pizza downtown Dallas with my two boys. And we're at dinner. And they sit down and the first thing they do is rip open sugar packets and dump it in their drinks because they think that'll be cool. Well, now we've got to get them new drinks. Then they get napkins and they cover their hands in napkins and poke knives and forks through the napkins and say they're Captain Hook. And they start fighting. They start sword fighting with their Captain Hook Hands. And I'm sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, you've got to be kidding me. I'm looking at Instagram at my wife and Nixon, like at this cute, quiet, calm, peaceful dinner together with Elsa. And I'm here with Captain Hook. Okay, now you couldn't have two more stark differences. Like if you took a snapshot of each one, they are so Different, And that's what you learn like with parents. When you have girls and boys, you learn like they are so different. Like my boys have woody dolls that don't have heads and they go around like knocking holes in our wall. And my daughter Nixon can sit there with a book or a show or whatever. And she is totally quiet, totally calm, totally peaceful. And some of you are like, yeah, my brother's like that or my sisters are like that. Like they are we are so different, but we love them. In all their greatness, right? I mean, we love them both, like, so much. Like, with all of it, the bad, the good, all of it. We love them so much. And here's what you begin to realize, like, when you have kids. Like, even real little kids, you begin to see, like, these are people. Like, you see them initially as like your baby and, and your child, but then you begin to see, well, they, act, they talk and they talk back. And, and they're people, like these are real people. They're boys and girls. But then you begin to realize like as a parent, they are going to be men and women one day. Then you start to think they're going to be husbands and wives one day probably. And then they're going to be dads and moms one day. And so you realize like real quick, even though they're your kids, you are raising future men and women, husbands and wives, dads and moms. And as a follower of Jesus, I want my kids to be godly men, godly women, godly husbands, godly wives, godly moms, godly dads. And listen, as a pastor here at Raiders, that's my same desire for you. You may not realize this, but most most times before a service starts, I'll walk up and down every aisle and I'll put a hand on every chair and I'm praying over every chair that God will do something in your life. And one of the things I'm praying for, for every single one of you, is that maybe because of your experience here, your encounter with Jesus, that you will become. A godly man, a godly woman, a godly husband one day, a godly wife one day, a godly mom, a godly dad. We want to help prepare you for that. You might be thinking, listen, bro, that's not me. I'm not into that. Like I'm not, that's not what I want right now. I'm not thinking about that. And listen, that is totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But you should at least admit. You should at least admit. That's what you would like, though. Like you would like to be, as a follower of Jesus, I'm just assuming you would like to be a godly man. You would like to be a godly woman, a godly husband, wife, mom, dad. That's something you would like to be. Like you would, you would like to think that's possible for you. You would like that to be true of you. Well, listen, that doesn't start on your wedding day. That doesn't start on the day that you have kids. It starts right now by seeking to become a godly man, a godly woman, by preparing to become a godly man, a godly woman that will become a godly husband, a godly wife, that becomes a godly dad, a godly mom. And so, my desire for you and your time here with us, and your time here at Raider Church is that we could help you in that journey. Become the godly man, the godly woman that you want to be, that you're seeking to be. But before we do that, before we get into that in this series, here's what we gotta establish something real quick, okay? The Bible teaches that God exists as one God, but he exists in three persons. Okay, scholars call it the Trinity, the Godhead. That God exists as three, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, three persons, but he's one God. And if you're like, bro, three doesn't equal one. I get it. Like, I totally understand where you're coming from. That's just what the Bible teaches, that God is God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're all God. They're three different people, persons, we believe. But they're one God. We call it the Godhead, the Trinity. It's the doctrine of the Trinity. Okay, so if God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they're all three God. That means the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are unique, different, but equal. They have different roles, but they're equal. And now watch this God creates, the Bible says in Genesis 1 male and female in his image or in his likeness. So watch this, follow me. Male and female, guys and girls, we are created in the image of God with his likeness, which means this, you were created unique, different, but equal. You have unique and different needs, but they're equal. We have unique and different roles and strengths and weaknesses, but equal, just like God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are because we've been created in his image. So in this series, here's what we're trying to answer. Here's what we're trying to look at. What does it look like to be, to embrace, to seek, to pursue, to live out what it looks like to be a godly man, a godly woman in a healthy way and in a way that breathes life into the other Gender, And this could never be more important in our society and our culture than it is right now with so much out and with us getting bombarded specifically on what toxic masculinity is. This has probably never been more important for us to address and to talk about. What does it look like then to be a godly man in a healthy way that breathes life, that doesn't destroy, that doesn't tear down? that doesn't hurt, that doesn't offend, but builds up and encourages men and breathes life into the opposite gender. So that's what we're going to look at in this series. What does it look like for me to embrace the gender that God created me to be from the time I was conceived in my mother's womb? What does it look like for me to embrace that and to live that out in a godly way, in a healthy way, in a way that breathes life, not death, into the opposite gender, what does it look like to become the one? So often in college, especially later in college, we seek to find the one. We're talking about the one and what the one looks like and what we're looking for in the one. But maybe, just maybe, God wants us to pursue becoming the one instead of finding the one. So, so here, watch this. Here's what we're going to do in this series, okay. Here's, what, here's, our, here's our goal. Our goal is to help you become the one that the one is looking for. This is our goal. It's to help you become the one that the one is looking for. To become the man or the woman of God that the man or woman of God should be looking for. And to do that, we're gonna turn to God's word, okay? We take our cues from God and his word because he's the one who designed us. He's the one who created us male and female. He's the one who designed this whole thing, who designed relationships and, and, and marriage. He's the one who designed. So we take our cues from the designer, not from this world, not from media, movies, TV, 50 Shades, porn, whatever it is. We don't take our cues from the world, who continue to mess things up time and time again, right? I mean, that's what you and I do. That's what I've done. I mess things up. When I do things my way, there's nothing but pain and regret and tears and sorrow that are in the wake that follows. So we want to take our cues from God's word because he's the creator, he's the designer. We do things his way and we get to experience his best in relationships and in marriage one day. And I don't know about you, but I want to experience God's best in my marriage. And I'm willing to bet you would say, whether you're a follower of Jesus, or not whether you buy into this whole God thing, regardless, you would say that one day when I'm married, if there's a God and I get married, I want to experience his best. If he really created and designed marriage, then I want to experience his best. If that's you, you need to lean in, you need to take notes and you need to see what it looks like to be a godly man A godly woman. So if you got a Bible, go to Song of Solomon. Song of Solomon, Song of Songs, depending upon your translation. If you don't have a Bible, go to RaiderChurch.com on your phone. uh, Select message notes from the menu, and uh, the verses and the points, everything will be there for you uh, to save and to take. With you. So in this letter, this is a a poem, this is a song, it's a it's a a back and forth between a man and a woman who are expressing their their love, their, their passion, their intense desire for one another. Okay, and so as we read this, here's what you need to know: God is not against you having fun. In fact, He created Nerve endings and all kinds of stuff on the man and the woman 's body, so that you can know that God wants you to have fun he 's for your pleasure okay he 's all about that in fact, I, I mean he created sex he doesn 't look at you or me or husbands and wives and look at him and like, what are you doing what that doesn 't go there what are you what are you doing? no no, no, he created it he designed it for your joy, for your pleasure, and so when we read this Letter. If you were to read this letter word for word, like verse by verse, you would be like, this is in the Bible? And people throughout church history have wondered, why is this in the Bible? It doesn't really talk about God, but it does talk about the thing that you and I most long for and desire. And that's to love and to be loved, to experience intimacy. And it tells us how to do it in a godly way. And so as we look at what he said... And we look at what she said. We'll see what it looks like to become a godly man, to become a godly woman. And you will see as a godly man, as a godly woman, what should I be looking for in a god? What does a godly man look like that I should be pursuing, that I should be looking for? Guys, what does a godly woman look like that I should be looking for and pursuing? So let's go. Song of Solomon, Song of Solomon. Chapter 1, verse 2 is where we're going to begin. And she says this to the man, kiss me and kiss me again for your love is sweeter than wine. Right here, love in Hebrew, this word means love making. She's saying, dude, your sex is better than alcohol, okay? That's what she's saying. She is saying your love making is better than wine. It's amazing, it's incredible. She feels loved, by this man. And when you read through Song of Solomon, you'll see example after example of this man pursuing this woman, building her up, encouraging her, telling her what he loves about her, talking about how she's unique and how she stands out among all the other women. He builds her up. He encourages her. He's talking to her about how much he loves her. He's talking to her about how he can't wait to be with her and he longs to be with her. He's not with her. He tells her he's missing her. All throughout this letter, this back and forth, we see this man showing and talking about how much he loves this woman. Paul said this in Ephesians chapter 5. Husbands, love your wives. Why? Because a woman needs to feel loved. You could say it like this. Here's the principle for us today. A woman needs to feel pursued. So, men, watch this. Godly men... A godly man pursues a godly woman in a godly way. You want to be a godly man? Then you pursue godly women in a godly way. Which means this, you're not passive. You take initiative, you take next steps, you verbalize what you're thinking, what you're feeling, and the next step that you want to take in a godly way, in an appropriate way. So here's kind of what this looks like, okay, just for me. When I was like 18, 19 years old, my wife Darby and I, we'd already known each other for about six or seven years. We met in junior high. Some of you guys know that. And uh, right here in Lubbock, and we met each other, and we were friends for a long time. We talked all the time. We joked around. uh, We we hung out. We talked on the phone. I mean, we were great, great friends. Guys, some of you know this, girls, I mean, sometimes that can really suck. You know, being in the friend zone, if you're stuck there can really, really suck. Like if you want to date this girl or you want to date this guy, but they've got you kind of like stuck in this friend zone and they see you as just friend or they just tell you, well, I just want to be friends. I mean, that really stinks, right? I mean, so, so I was stuck in the friend zone with Darby for like six or seven years. Okay. And so at this point, I guess I'm just tired of it. I'm sick of it. I'm fed up with it, you know, whatever. I don't want to be in the friend zone anymore. And I was very passive, very shy, middle school and high school. Well, something changed when I graduated. I got some more confidence. I was was a lot bolder. I wasn't as scared or or, or anything like that. And so we're, we're together at my house. I lived with a few guys and we're hanging outside and we're all together as friends and I see her. Now, remember, I've known her for like six years. Okay, we've been friends for like six years. We're we're all talking. We're in this group. And I stepped forward in front of this huge group of people. I stepped up to her. I grabbed her by the arm. I pulled her in close to me and I whispered into her ear. Now, she said that day everything changed. Okay, I was no longer her friend she wanted to be with me. Uh, She couldn't keep her hands off of me, and she had never stopped. Okay, we've got three kids, and so everything changed that day. I went from being in the friend zone to like the opposite of friends. Okay, so, so it all started because I took a step. I grabbed her by the arm. I was pursuing her, and I was telling her what I wanted to do, where I saw us going. The next step that I wanted to take, I told her that I wanted to be with her. I wanted to date her. And the next time I wanted us to be together, I didn't want there to be anyone else around. I wanted it to just be me and her. And she dug it, okay? Because (laughs) I was pursuing her. I took a next step. I was communicating to her a next step in the relationship. And so sometimes that's going to be verbalizing, speaking. Hey, I want to go get coffee. Hey, would you, would you want to go on a date? Do you want to go hang out like by herself? You know, whatever. I mean, you're communicating a next step, an appropriate next step in a godly way, but you're pursuing, you're taking steps. You're pursuing her. You're letting her know that you're interested. Now, here's what I didn't do. I didn't grab her by the arm and pull her kind of in close to me and whisper into her ear, hey, God just told me we're supposed to get married. Okay, that's weird. Dudes, that's weird. You don't need to tell some girl you get some word and you're supposed to get married and you hadn't been dating. You're not even friends. Like you just walk up to some random girl. so, So don't do that tonight. Don't walk up to some random girl and say, hey, God told me we're supposed to be together. That's weird, okay? Girls, if a guy does that to you, run, all right? Run the other way. I took an appropriate next step. It was an appropriate next step in the relationship. It wasn't too far. It wasn't an ungodly step. I wasn't telling her things that I shouldn't have been telling someone that wasn't my wife. It was an appropriate next step. I was communicating, I was verbalizing it to her. And I did it in a public setting, which she really loved. Okay, so, so a godly man pursues a godly woman in a godly way. Let's keep going, next. She says to him in chapter one, verse three, how pleasing is your fragrance. So guys, a godly man smells good, okay? Uh, you take showers, like you take care of yourself. Okay, this is like a huge pet peeve of mine. Like I love cologne and I like smelling good. I don't like smelling bad. You know, the other day I'd like gotten through working out and I sat down and my wife was like, you really stink and she ran away. Okay, so guys, take note of that, take lessons from that. Like if you stink, she's not gonna be into you. Okay, so here's what, here's kind of what we see though, just generally speaking, all right? Is that a godly man takes care of himself. He takes care of himself. He takes care of the things around him. He takes care of things. He's not a slob. Guys, you could say it like this. A godly man is disciplined. A godly man is disciplined. Now, here's a little bit more about what I mean by this. Paul said this in the New Testament. He said, I will not be mastered by anything. I will not be mastered by anything. Like there's nothing in this life. There's no worldly thing that I will be mastered by. I'm not going to be mastered by alcohol. I'm not going to be mastered by drugs. I'm not going to be mastered by porn or anything else. Nothing will have mastery over me. In other words, I won't be addicted to anything and I'm not going to be lazy. A godly man is disciplined. He takes care of himself. He takes care of the things around him. And so guys, if you can't go a week without getting wasted, there might be a problem. If you can't have fun without getting wasted, you might have a problem. My brother, when he was at Tech, he was a beta He got wasted every few days and it wasn't until he graduated from high school he looked back and he realized that alcohol had mastery over him. He couldn't have fun. He couldn't make it from one week to the next without getting wasted. He realized he had a problem and that he was probably an alcoholic and didn't even know it. And so he graduated from college and he decided he needed to stop drinking completely. And so with God's help, he stopped drinking. He didn't have a drop for over a year until finally he was at a place where he had discipline, it didn't have mastery over him, where he could have a drink and it not lead to two and three and four and five and being completely wasted. If something has mastery over you, it means you can't go without it. It means you can't have fun without it. And maybe... You've got a problem you need to look at. You need to take care of. You need to master instead of it mastering you. Paul said, nothing will have mastery over me. Jesus is my master. And so nothing else will have mastery over my life. A godly man is disciplined. He takes care of himself. He takes care of the things around him. Next, let's keep going. He says this in chapter 1, verse 15, talking to the woman. He says, How beautiful you are, my darling. How beautiful. Your eyes are like doves. You notice the way he's talking to her? Look at the words he used. He's telling her how beautiful you are. He's calling her darling. He's talking about her eyes. This is a very soft, kind, gentle way of speaking to this woman. It's not mean. It's not harsh. It's not loud. It's a soft and gentle encouragement to this woman that he loves. Paul said this in Colossians 3 verse 19. He said, husbands, never treat your wives harshly, but be kind and gentle in the way that you speak to them. So a godly man, watch this, a godly man is gentle, A godly man is gentle with the women in his life, with the woman he will date, with his wife one day. He's never harsh with her. He's gentle, he's kind, he's soft in the way that he talks to her. I've told my boys an illustration I've heard for many years and it goes like this, that in life there are sheep, there are wolves, And there are sheepdogs. And you have a choice. You can be the sheep. People walk all over you. They trample over you. You never stand up for yourself. You could be the wolf who's mean, a bully, tears people down, mocks people, laughs at people. Or you can be the sheepdog that protects the sheep, that are kind and gentle and look out for other people around them. And I've told my boys, I've said, listen, it's your choice, but if you choose to be the wolf, then you will deal with me. Because I will not put up with one of my kids, especially one of my sons being the wolf. I won't put up with it. And guys, listen. If you struggle with being forceful and angry, with, do- liking, with wanting to dominate people, with mocking people, with making fun of people, if, that, if that's you, you need to get a, a hold of that. You need, to get, you need God's help to turn from that, to change in that if you're abusive in any way, verbally, emotionally, sexually, whatever it is, guys, if that's you, if you have any tendency or leaning in that direction, like the wolf, you must get a hold of that. You must get mastery over that and turn from that sin. And here's why. Because you may get away with it today. You may get away with it tomorrow, next week. You may get away with it for a while, but here's what always happens to the wolf. They get put down. By the shepherd or by the sheepdog? The shepherd and the sheepdogs and culture and society won't put up with the wolf. They will take them out. They will take them down. They will put them in prison. And so if you can't, let's forget being a follower of Jesus or not. Even if you reject all of this, if you struggle with anger, or being forceful with women, or, liking or desiring to dominate women, tell them what to do, control them, if that's you, I would just tell you, you need to get a hold of that quickly. You need to find some help. And if you don't, you will be put down. You'll end up in prison. You need to deal with that now before it gets out of hand. A godly man is gentle, is kind, speaks in a loving way, in a soft way, not harshly, not abusive. A godly man will lift up the people around them, will build up the people around him, especially the women in his life. He will encourage them. He will lift them up. He'll build them up because a godly man is gentle. Next, let's keep going. She says this in two verse six, his left arm is under my head and his right arm embraces me. It doesn't take a lot of imagination to know the position they're in right now, okay? She's saying your left arm's behind my head, your right arm's embracing me, okay? Aside from just the, 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 the sexual picture that this would invite, okay, here's what's happening here. She is saying to him, I feel comfortable and secure in your presence. You make me feel safe. You make me feel safe. Guys, you, the, the women in your life should feel refreshed and built up and secure and safe. In your presence. So watch this. A godly man protects. He's like the sheepdog. He protects those around him. And the people in his presence, women in his presence, a girlfriend, a wife in his presence, feel secure and safe, refreshed, comforted in his presence. A godly man protects. And here's what this means. It means that you look out for their interest before you own, before your own. I mean, that's what someone who protects other people does, right? That's what the sheepdog does, right? In spite of their own interest and regardless of what it means for them, they will defend and protect the sheep. Guys, Paul says this in 1 Corinthians There is no other sin that so affects your body, so hurts you like sexual sin. There's none other. Paul says there's none other like it. And many of us can relate to that, right? I mean, like me, I can relate to that. I get that because I've experienced it. There is no other sin like sexual sin. It's the hardest to get over. It's the hardest to forget. It haunts you. The scenes will often replay over and over and over again in your mind. I mean, it's the last thing that we want to share with someone we love or the things that we've done sexually with other people. It's because Paul was right. No other sin affects you the way sexual sin does. It hurts you in a way that no other sin does. It hurts your body. And so a godly man will protect the girl he's dating by showing restraint, by having self-control, by doing things God's way and saving sexual intimacy for where it's supposed to be experienced, and that's in the marriage relationship. A godly man will protect. They'll look out for the interest of of the person, the other people in their life, the girlfriend in their life, before they look out for their own interests, their own desires. A godly man protects. Next, she says this in 2, verse 16. My lover, she's talking about the man, my lover is mine and I am his. Do you hear the confidence here? She is confident that this man loves her, that she belongs to him and he belongs to her. There's no one else in the picture here. In fact, watch this. The man to reassure her says this in chapter four, verse, uh, verse nine. He says this, you, he said, this is the man talking to the woman. <clears throat> you have captured my heart. You see the language there? You've captured my heart, my treasure, my bride. You hold it hostage. You hold my heart hostage with one glance of your eyes. You've captured me. I belong to you and to no other. My eyes aren't looking anywhere else. My heart's not thinking about anyone else. I am captured by you. I am yours and you are There's a confidence here. When you get to chapter six, the man starts talking about the woman from head to toe. He talks about every single body part and what he loves about it and the way that it makes him feel. It's very graphic. But what he's doing, what he's saying is, I have eyes for you alone. My heart, my eyes, my mind, my body, it belongs to you. There's exclusivity here. And so here's what you need to see. Here's the principle here, is that a godly man is loyal to his wife. A godly man is loyal to his wife. And now, guys, I know you might be thinking, wait a second, I'm, I'm not married. A godly man is loyal to his wife. You see, the girl that you're dating now, maybe the girl that you're interested in, may or may not be your future wife. And so a godly man is loyal to his future wife. He realizes that his eyes and his heart belong to her. He may not know her yet, may not know who she is yet, but his eyes, his heart, his his body belongs to her and to no other. And so until you have that ring on your finger, until you've said, I do, you're not married yet and you don't know who you will be married to. But a godly man is loyal to his wife. Let me, let me, let me kind of tell it to you like this, guys, girls. Um, if, if you can't show restraint and self-control and, and loyalty to your future wife right now. Why would you think that you girls why would you think a guy could be loyal to you when you get married one day? And the same goes for both both ways. Why would you think if you can't be loyal to your future wife or husband right now what would make you think that something is going to magically change and all of a sudden they're going to be able to show restraint and they're going to be loyal to you when you get married one day? Just because you've said I do, just because you have a ring on your finger, nothing magical happens that day. Listen, I have guys tell me all the time, yeah, but when I get married one day, there won't be the temptation to look at porn or to get with this girl or that girl because I'll be able to have sex with my wife. Nothing could be further from the truth. Guys, listen to me right now. Nothing could be further from the truth. If anything, it gets tougher, it gets harder. I hate to burst your bubble, but the Bible says that Satan comes to kill, steal and destroy. Listen, when you're married one day and you've got kids, more is on the line. Satan has more to ruin, more to destroy. And so the temptation will get worse. It gets tougher, not easier. And if you can't be loyal to your future wife now, if you can't show some restraint and self-control, now, what makes you think that that day you'll be able to? And so, regardless of what your past looks like, today you need to ask for God's help to turn from your sin to help you have self-control and to show some restraint so that today, so that now you are preparing and you are becoming the one because you don't turn into the one when you say I do. It doesn't happen. You don't turn into a godly man when you say I do. You don't turn into a godly dad when you have kids. No, you prepare, you become the one. And so today, Now is the time to decide to become a godly man so that one day you could be a godly husband, so that one day that godly husband will turn into a godly dad. Decide today. And listen, guys, if you're here and you're like, man, I've messed up so much of that stuff, I did too. I did too. I messed up so much of this If you've been here for very long, you know, you've heard a lot of my story. I've messed up so much of this and I can't do this. Even today, I cannot do this. But the Bible says this, Christ in me is my hope of glory. Through Christ, I can do all things. I can't do this. I still can't. But with Christ in me, I can do all things. And so if you're sitting here tonight and you're like, I can't do that, or I haven't done that. Listen, today is the day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of the Lord's favor. Today, you need to decide this. I'm gonna become the godly man that the godly woman is looking for. Today. And here's the great news about God is that it's never too late to experience his best, regardless of what last week, last year, whatever, whatever regardless of what happened in your family and what's been modeled for you. It's never too late to experience God's best. It's never too late to decide today to become the godly man that the godly woman is looking for so that this could be true of you. A godly husband breathes life into his wife. A godly husband breathes life into his wife. She flourishes because of their relationship. She thrives because of their relationship. She feels safe and secure and protected and loved in that relationship with you. You breathe life into your wife when you're a godly man, when you're a godly husband. And so if you want that to be true for you one day, men, then today you need to decide to become that godly man. You know, in John chapter four, Jesus meets this woman at this well. It's Jacob's well, and he starts talking with her, but it's interesting to note who all kind of hooked up or got together at this well, watch this. Abraham's servant finds Rebecca, Isaac's future wife at this well. Jacob meets Rachel, his future wife at that well. Moses met Zipporah, his future wife at that well. I mean, this is where power couples in the Bible hook up, get together, meet each other, is at Jacob's well. And some of you are like, where's that well? I need to go visit this well, okay? I need to find my power man, my power woman so we can be that power couple, okay? Some of you are like, get me away from that well. I'm not ready for that. I don't want any of that, okay? Regardless. You wanna be the godly man? You wanna be the godly woman? Watch this. Jesus is talking with this woman. She came to the well, broken, lost. She had no idea what was next. She had messed up so much in her past with many different men. She was broken and lost and Jesus meets her at this well. And she says to Jesus, can I have some of that water? And he says, listen, if you drink from this well, you'll be thirsty again. But if you will drink the water that only I can give, this is Jesus saying this, if you will drink the water only I can give, you will never thirst again. In fact, you will have streams of living water bubbling up inside of you, overflowing out of you. If you will drink the water that only I can give, Some of you are here tonight. You're broken because of the decisions you've made in your past, you're lost. You're not, you're not experiencing the peace, the fulfillment, the satisfaction, the joy that you're longing for, that you desire. But tonight, I want you to know that Jesus is here at this well. And the guy, the girl, the boyfriend, the girlfriend, the, the spouse, the husband or wife that you're longing for will never. Satisfy your thirst. You will drink from that well, you will drink from that well, you will drink from that well and it will never satisfy you. You will continue to be thirsty looking for the next person, looking for it in the next person and you will continue to be thirsty. You will never be satisfied because Jesus is the only one that will satisfy the thirst. Jesus is the only one that will satisfy that longing in your heart to be loved and to love. He's the only one A husband will never do that, ladies. A wife will never do that for you. We weren't designed to meet that need. Only Jesus can do that. But when you meet him, when you encounter him, regardless of the way that you came, you will leave completely different. That woman left that well streams of living water were bubbling up inside of her, overflowing out of her. In fact, she went back to her village and she started telling everyone about this man that she met that totally changed her life. She came to him broken, she came to him lost, but she met Jesus and she left and she was healed and she was whole and she was satisfied and she had streams of living water. In other words, life bubbling up inside of her, overflowing out of her because she met Jesus, the only one that can do that in you. And so men, you wanna be a godly husband one day that breathes life? The only way that's going to happen is if you meet Jesus, the one who will bring springs of living water, life into you and overflowing out of you into other people, into your wife one day. Only Jesus can do that in you and through you. And so my prayer for you tonight as regardless of the way that you came, you will meet Jesus tonight at this well. And like she did, you will drink from him and never thirst again. Some of you are here tonight, you've never given your life to Christ. Tonight is your night, today is your day. The Bible says today is the day. The Bible says that we've broken God's law because of our sin, because of our mistakes. And you break God's law, you pay God's fine. It's eternity separated from him in hell. God loves you so much. Just like that video we saw at the very beginning, God loves loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you that he sent Jesus, his son, to die on the cross to pay your fine for sin so that if you would give your life to Jesus, if you would trust in his payment of your fine, your sin could be totally forgiven. Past, present, and future, you could be right with God. You could know for sure that when you die, you're going to heaven. It's not when you've been good enough. It's not when you've been to church enough times. It's when you drink from Jesus the very first time. It's when you come to him and say, I give my life over to you. And your life, just like that woman, will be radically changed. And if that's you, and fill out that form on our website and let us know that you're giving your life to Christ tonight. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes and Uh, just in this moment, I just kind of want this to be between you and God. And guys, if you're here tonight, men, and you would say, you know what? This hasn't always been me. I've messed up a lot of this stuff. But tonight, tonight, I may have come here broken and lost and messed up. But I want to meet Jesus tonight at that will. I may have come in here not living and not pursuing to be a godly man, but tonight I want to leave pursuing and becoming this godly man that you're talking about. If that's you and you'd say, hey, I need Jesus's help to become a godly man, to pursue being a godly man, and you you want me to pray for you, would you just lift up your hand and say, "Yeah, that's me. That's me. I I want to become that godly man that you're talking about. Would you pray for me tonight? If that's you and you want to, Start on that path, continue on that path, whatever. But you're just saying, I want to be that godly man that you're talking about. Just slip your hand up in the air real high. See him all over the room. If that's you, lift your hand up. Say, that's me. I want to become this godly man. God, I pray that tonight, for every hand that's lifted up right now, God, would you right now fill them with your spirit? Would you enable them? God to become to just just to change their their mind, their passion, their heart, their focus God tonight that they would begin to walk down a path of becoming this godly man that you desire every one of us, every man in the room tonight. You desire every one of us to become this godly man. God, would you give us the strength the desire, the commitment, the ability, God. We can't do it without you. I can't do it without you. Christ in me, Christ in you is your hope. And so tonight, God, we put our hope in you that you would help us to become this godly man. Now, would you stand up? Our team's gonna lead us in worship. We're gonna sing and celebrate this God, this Jesus who meets us at the well broken and lost. And when we meet him, when we encounter him, we can walk away totally changed. So God, tonight as we sing, would you change us? God, we meet you here right now. Would you meet with us? Would you change us from the inside out, God? It's in your name we pray, amen.